This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You are listening to The City Vent. Proudly sponsored by the Westview Motor Company. Supplying your new and used cars, find us at westviewmotorcompany.co.uk. Uh, welcome into another city event. Uh, before we get started, just a quick shout out to our sponsor, Complete IT Systems Limited, providing industry leading IT solutions for 14 years. It makes sense, right? Today, we are joined. First of all, Andy, how are you, mate? I'm all right, sir. How are you? I'm not too bad. I'm a little bit hungover. I'm not going to lie, but do you know what? We've got that? to carry on. What? Why are you hungover? Oh, uh, no comment. Absolutely no comment. Um, but today we are joined with two people who you will have heard a lot on the radio. Uh, we've got, first of all, I will introduce uh, Jack Conlon. Jack, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, lads. Cheers for having us on. No worries. And also Louis, who is also as well, pretty well, you still will have heard him quite a bit on the West Yorkshire Daily, uh, who is now taking over the reins of the commentary. Louis, how are we, mate? I'm really good, thanks, guys. Thanks for having us on. And uh, you mentioned your sponsor there, Chris. I probably needed it myself because it's taken an arm and a leg to get onto this podcast. <laughs> I think it's important to mention this. So, We've just been waiting for Louis. Now, you'd imagine that because he uses quite a lot of IT equipment at Valley Parade or wherever he goes, Louis had a bit of a stinker, haven't you? <laughs> so he's really struggled to get on. I'm on my third device, a different pair of headphones, but it seems to be working so far, touch wood. I don't have any wood around me, but fingers crossed it stays this way. <laughs> I was saying, with Everett Games, it's always Louis that um, sets up the uh, the radio equipment and stuff. So, out the two of us, it should have really been me that was having the IT issues, not <laughs> not him. I'm based on that performance. I'm surprised that he even gets games going. Because <laughs> I can't imagine Gary Jones is very uh, IT literate. Uh, I mean, I've I've mentioned about <laughs> hopefully getting him on in a in a little bit. I'm I'm sure he will do, but. I think it sounds a bit daunting to him going on the stream yard and, and doing the podcast. But listen, we're here and we appreciate you guys coming on. And we just wanted to really just find out a little bit more about yourselves, obviously, because, you know, you're on the radio. We don't know much of your backstory. So, Jack, I'm going to come to you first, mate. So how did you get into all this? What, what What's your story? What's your background? So I grew up as a massive sports fan generally. I love football and rugby leagues, my other um, main sport. Always loved it growing up. Um, I sort of, around the age of sort of 17, 18 was when I sort of decided I wanted to 
go into the the sort of sports media industry. I think there's a a cliche that a lot of people say about those who are um, journalists or uh, people in the media, particularly in sport, that we're all just sort of failed footballers um, in a way, which is absolutely true. Um, you know, I played rugby and football growing up was never good enough to to make it properly, but all but sort of wanted to keep a a little foot in it and. Um, I ended up going to the University of Gloucestershire um, down in Cheltenham, lived in Cheltenham for three years, which is an experience in itself. When the uh, when the festival comes around in sort of March time, it, it turns a completely different beast down there. Um, but yeah, I did a sports journalism degree for three years, um, ended up getting some work experience uh, with Radio Leeds during that time um, and just sort of kept in touch with the sports editor, Johnny Buchan, um, there, you know, throughout my, my last year at uni did a few sort of freelances towards the back end and have, have sort of been there ever since. So um, I think I'm going to about three and a bit years um, with Radio Leeds now and I've, I've sort of worked on different shows. I still do um, a decent amount sort of in terms of production behind the scenes. I'm still freelance, so I've, I've still got sort of other bits going on. But um, yeah, and this year I've been lucky enough to, to sort of take a bit of a step to do some, some on-air stuff, hence why I'm at Valley Parade um, a fair bit this year, which has been brilliant I've got to say um, it always helps when when the team are doing well and stuff but it's yeah it's one heck of a place to be able to be on a Saturday afternoon as you guys well know absolutely and I think you'll probably I think we can all agree that this season so far has been a very different place at Valley Parade I mean the game last week where fans were after the Stevenage game where there was actually fans cheering in the streets to be honest that's the first time I've seen that in a long time obviously we we drew yesterday, which we'll go into in a bit. Um, but I suppose it just kind of makes things a lot easier for yourself if if if, if, if there's positive vibes around the club, right? Absolutely. Um, we, we sort of, you tend to sort of, when you get messages post-game, for example, a lot of our, our post-match stuff is to do with fans getting in touch and, and giving their views. And we try and push that as much as possible. And you often actually tend to get a lot more interaction on the back of a, a big defeat. But even this season, when with, with the club going the way it has and, and, and the results coming in, especially the past you know four or five games or so with that winning run, um, yesterday was interesting because we there were sort of mixed views on on that point. You know, when whenever there's a late goal, especially an equaliser, it can it, it feels like a win in a sense. But there were still people who were judging the whole performance as is only correct, and uh, some that weren't that satisfied. But it, it does certainly help when. The mood is good. You've got people um, after games coming in front of the uh, the the commentary position and, and shaking hands with us and, and smiling, putting thumbs up. And and generally, I think you can probably feel it when you're in the ground as well. There's such a, a positive mood just even in the air. Um, and I think the Stevenage game was probably the, the biggest example of that, of, of how they'd beaten a, a Steve Evans side. I've got to say, a lot of people were quite pleased to, to get one over Steve Evans at the end, as you can imagine. Um, but in the fashion they did it against a team that have only lost once prior to that game, um, I think that was a real statement game um, and showed a lot of the league this is the real deal this year with Bradford City. And and that then reflects on the crowd as well because everyone else is feeling the exact same. And uh, for that game, we had Gary Jones with us and he commented on that as well, saying that he, he remembers the uh, the cup run season, obviously, when he was so involved with that and the way the fans were that year, it very much feels similar to, to that at the moment with the way everything's going with the club, with Mark Hughes being there. Everything's just a great vibe at the minute. And I guess on air for us, it, it certainly helps. I know when, when you speak to Louis, I'm sure he'll echo that. When a, 
it probably helps him when he's calling City girls as opposed to uh, City conceding girls. Yeah, it's, yeah uh, <laughs> I'll mention one of the things that Andy put on uh, Twitter yesterday. I think he I th- did. You put easy, easy wins. Oh, that right, Andy? <laughs> I, I got I got pelters for it as well. Um, I I shouldn't have used the word easy. Let's put it that way. But it were a typical city thing to do, wasn't it? The second we put easy in, they go and make a big deal of it. Um, but yeah, I did. I did put easy. No game is easy by any stretch, is it? Let's be fair. But yeah. The city just dragged me through the mud. I'm not gonna lie. But um moving on to you, Louis, sir. Um gives a bit about your background. How where'd you start? What what have you been so, doing? I mean, very similar to Jack. I always love football and I think my earliest memory that that really got me hooked, um, and I'm sure we'll all remember it and people probably have a bit of a smile looking back on this was when um England were playing Greece before the 2002 World Cup and I would have only been 2002, eight or nine years old. And there was me, my dad and my granddad. Um, we were watching it at my, gran- my grandma and granddad's house and Beckham steps up and, and takes that free kick and scores. And I think even at eight, nine years old, I didn't realise the significance of what the goal meant and it meant England were going to the World Cup at the time. But I think it was just the absolute moment and and how football especially you have those split second moments and you've got to be in the moment to really love it and remember them and I think uh, I think Sky's advertising campaign this pre-season was you can only have that moment once and I think that really captured me into football and other sports as well um I don't mind my rugby league I mean Jack will know I'm not I'm not as big as a rugby league fan as him but I guess working at Radio Leeds where we cover a lot of rugby league and a lot of uh, Yorkshire cricket and stuff, you, you start to like and become fond of these sports and you want the teams to do well. Um, and I, I always maybe fancied myself as as when I was younger, I always thought, oh, being a match of the day commentator would be a pretty good job, you know. <laughs> Certainly not good enough to play football. Um, you should see my first touch. Um, and I thought, well, the next best thing is either writing or talking about football. And I know it's cliche because you could have all of us who work in the media on this podcast and would probably say the same thing. Um, so when it came to university, I was like, right, what do I actually want to do? And I thought, to be honest, the only thing I, I, I really would love to do as a job is, is, you know, broadcasting or journalism. So I, it was a relatively new concept at the time and a new course. I went to UCFD, which was based over in Lancashire at the time. It's now at the Etihad in Manchester and down at Wembley. Um, did a football journalism and media course. And during that time, I got an internship at Burnley Football Club in their media department. And it was a pretty cool time, actually, if you remember. It was when Sean Dyche's second season and they came second in the championship behind Leicester. It was when Leicester came up um, and I worked for them that season. And then the season they were in the Premier League, which at the time they came back down, actually, the first time. And that gave me a really eye-opener into working in press boxes and dealing with players and managers um, you know, there, there was the likes of Sean Dyche, Danny Ings, Tom Heaton were there, and they were all great with me. Um, finished university and actually straight out of university, I, I couldn't for love and money get a job in that industry. And I eventually settled on, I got, I took a job at Sky, nothing to do with journalism, um, basically in the advertising department. I, I worked in commercial operations. And I didn't even realise this was a job, but it makes sense because someone has to do it. If you watch Sky TV, when it goes to an ad break, my job was to basically put those adverts in order. 
So I'll do that Monday to Friday. Um, and I had a great time there, a brilliant place to work. Um, met some friends who I'm still really good friends with, still see. So when I did uh, Sutton away last season, I stayed down in London and met up with the friends I made there. And they come up here every now and again. But it got maybe about 18 months in. And I thought, I can't do this forever. Like, I can't. It's not my passion. And I thought, do you know what? I'm going to move back up to Leeds. I applied for, um, before the pandemic, local radio used to a kickoff reporter scheme. So I applied for that and I got through to the last five. And uh, I had an interview and the Radio League sport editor at the time, Gareth Jones, rang me up couple of days later and he's given me all this praise and I'm sat there thinking oh I've got this got this in the bag this is great and he goes but unfortunately there was there was another lad who just answered a couple of questions better so we're going to go with that absolutely devastated but he said look I'm leaving um but Adam Pope who does the Leeds United commentary um he was also on the interview said he's happy for me to give you his email address get in touch with him so I got in touch with him, new sport editors came in and similar to Jack, they just said, yeah, look, we can't offer you anything permanent, but you want to come in a day a week or two days a week. It was behind the scenes stuff. So if you're listening to our show on a Saturday, all the jingles, all the music, the fact that our mics are live, there's someone sat in the studio pressing those buttons, putting the faders up and down and things like that, putting callers through. So that's how I got in and I did that for maybe... 18 months to two years and we're in the I think the second lockdown no it might have even still been the first yeah it would have been the second because it was the it was January 2021 and and Johnny our editor just said um Huddersfield Town are playing away at Watford and I need someone to go and present the show would you be up for it and of course you you know you've been thinking over these last two years that's what I want to do um so did a few town games that season and then Last season, as you know, um, stepped up to doing a lot more City games, especially after the turn of the year last year. Home and away with Jamie and, and Philippe and Gary or whoever it may be. Absolutely loved it. And then it's one of those industries, circumstance happens and, and Jamie decided to leave initially for six months. Um, and I applied for his role and, and, you know, that's I'm doing that in the short term until we know whether Jamie's coming back or what happens with him. Um Never commentated on a football match before, the uh, Doncaster Rovers game on the opening day of the season. And let me tell you, I mean, I wish him all the best and it's horrible for him, but five minutes in to have a horror injury to Manny Osadebi, who's meant to be this exciting player all, it was a challenge. Uh, but we got through that Doncaster game. I was uh, exhausted afterwards, um, but I've absolutely loved it so far. And to be covering a club the size of City, in, in this period, it's it's so exciting, you know, I, I, you still pinch yourself that Mark Hughes is the manager, you know, I think we all do, don't we, that Mark Hughes has come to Bradford City, but this squad is assembled and almost a feeling of, this has got to be it, surely this has got to be it, um, so that's, how, yeah, it's, it's been a long, long old journey, but um, so far so good and, and loving every minute of it. Yeah, you. I, I obviously I came over to talk to you before the Doncaster game and gave you a bit of praise. Um, and I know how nervous you were, but listening back on that and that performance, it was great. And obviously we had the the Gary Jones little little segment, obviously where he was pretty much crying. That was that was yeah. that was in, you know that was emotional to to see that, for, especially from Gary Jones. Um, but so 
I'd like to ask you, Jack, I'm going to ask you, so can you talk us through what you guys would do on a match day? How how does that work? What what do you do? Let's say from the in the morning time, how do you do the setup? What happens behind the scenes? So we all sort of have our own routines, I guess, in the morning. I like to go for a run in the morning, a bit of a bacon sandwich and a coffee on a Saturday morning. Uh, very similar to like people who just go as fans, I guess. Everyone has their sort of pre-match routines, don't they? Um, in the week... Building up to the game, um, me and Louis will do our own prep. I always uh, make my own crib sheet, as does Louis. That's just literally sort of, um, you know, it'll be a load of City-based um, facts. So last game, last win, um, current record, uh, a big summary of the squad, how they did last season, etc. Then I'll, I'll sort of do one for the opposition as well. You know, how they've been getting on recently, their top scorers, um, players to watch out for. Um, I know Lou does very similar with, with his prep in that sense as well. Um, we'll also, in the couple of days before the game, the Thursday or the Friday, whenever Louis's done the um, pre-match presser with uh, Mark and whichever player we get, that audio will all be cut up into segments um, that will then make up our pre-match uh, preview ahead of the game, that first hour before kickoff. Uh, that, that sort of gives us talking points a little bit as well, you know, stuff to to discuss with our summariser um, amongst the three of us ahead of kickoff. Um, we'll, we'll usually get to the ground around two, three hours before kickoff, there or thereabouts. Um, I currently can't, I can't drive uh, myself. I've got um, my test and, and lessons and stuff coming up later this year. So uh, Louis is currently taxi service for me a little bit as well. <laughs> I'm banking um, those miles. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll meet around probably half 11-ish and, and get over to, uh, to Valley Parade from, um, from Leeds where our sort of BBC HQ is um, in, in the centre of Leeds and, um, very much sort of set ourselves up straight away. We've got um, what's called an ISDN box, uh, which effectively is our um, connection back to the studio, as Lou was mentioning there, so that we can link everything up um, and make sure that we can go out on air. We've got uh, three different mics. Louis's got a lit mic um, that he, he uses to commentate on during um, during the game. We've got a couple of headsets uh, with mics on them that me and either Philippe, Gary, whoever's summarising will use. Um, we've also got an effects mic, which is what, um, if you ever see uh, the videos of the interview with Mark afterwards, he'll use that um, whenever we chat to him. Um, and we'll we'll sort of just set everything up. We'll touch base with the guys who are in the studio, make sure that, you know, our levels are good, very much like how we did before we started recording this, you know, make sure we can hear everybody properly. Um, Louis laughing there is, you know, we, it's a good job we tested or else Louis wouldn't be with us. Um, it doesn't take as long, to be honest. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's, it's a very much more fluid process whenever Louis sets it up at the games. Um, and effectively, yeah, up until uh, we go on air at two o'clock, that's, that's us. We'll set up and stuff and we'll have a bit of a, a chill out. We'll speak to some of the other members of the media. Um, our summariser usually gets there anywhere between sort of half an hour, 15 minutes before kickoff. And I must say one of the highlights of... of Game doing games um, is Eileen who uh, works in the uh, the press room at City. Um, and if if anyone sort of has, has followed, uh, there's been a couple of Twitter threads um, this season um, that Eileen has featured on, and and she basically she she'll bake uh, before a game and, and provide the press room with some absolutely fantastic cakes, um, as Louis will testify to. Um, we've had ginger cakes this year. We had chocolate chip buns yesterday. Um, we had what I thought was a Victoria sponge before she quite quickly corrected me and said it was just a sponge cake because it didn't have any fat in, which, so, you know, I've, I've learned about baking this weekend as well. Um, 
you know, so she she sort of runs the press room and keeps everyone happy. Um, and then yeah, we build up to, to two o'clock, and as soon as uh, as the, the the clock hand reaches two, that's that's us. We're into it, and uh, we'll have a little stager at the start, which is where you've got the bit of music, and you know we'll we'll talk into the game, and we just sort of go from there. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty routine uh, sort of match day for us. Um, everyone, like I said, has their own little um, individual bits that they'll do here and there, but it's, it's, it's very routine. And once you've done it a few times, you, you sort of you settle in and you, you know what your day is going to sort of look like. And then it's just sort of up to the players to, to do it on the pitch. And, and that gives us all our um, our talking points and, and everything else that we need. It's, uh, Louis, I'll ask you, have you got any uh, rituals that you do before a game? So Jack will tell you I, um, I have a big uh, paper pad and I'll do my match prep, but then I'll transfer that prep onto uh, sticky labels. So then on my pad, I because every commentator, every presenter do things slightly different. So some might just write out the squad numbers on a scrap of paper. Some will have big lists and charts. So I'll have on a clipboard all my prep, and then I'll have uh, 11 sticky labels for the starting 11, so I can stick them down in the... Uh, in the formation. And what I tend to look for, obviously, let's say, for example, Andy Cook's been great for this season because I, I think he's scored against every club there is in the football league. It's, oh, <laughs> has Andy Cook's got? Yes, of course, he's scored against them. So I always look for like a link between the players and the opposition and vice versa. So, you know, the best one is always, have they played for that club before and how did they get on? Or you might have someone who's, playing for Walsall and coming to Valley Parade. And a couple of seasons ago, they scored at Valley Parade. So I like having links between the opposition and the current crop of players. Um, in the morning, it's, it's, it's similar to Jack. I, I try not to be... Nothing beats, and whether it's a fan or, or, you know, Philippe and Gary tell us when you're playing, nothing beats waking up on a Saturday morning knowing you've got a match to go to. But... You know, if we're going to meet in, in Leeds City Centre at our office at half 11, I'll try and use my morning time just to relax almost, yeah, go for a walk around the park or, or like Jack said, go to, go for a run or maybe just watch a bit of telly with a bacon sarnie and a, and a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. Um, and and you, you can't switch off from it, but you, you do. I always try those couple of hours when I first get up on a Saturday, just relax, have a bit of time to yourself because it's, the best job in the world but it's also it's very demanding you've got to be so focused and it it the adrenaline high you get and then when you come off air you're exhausted so it's not so much a every weekend a, a set routine but it's always allow myself a bit of time and then we'll drive over I guess we don't really talk about the game or city on the way over do we Jack it's more we get there we get set up and then we kind of put our hats on and and that's when we get into the zone really um, but yeah, during the week, as Jack said, it's interesting because we'll go to the press conference on a Thursday and, you know, you've always got to get your team news, you know, in, in, any fresh injury concerns, you know, for Critchlow and Pereira weren't in against Stephen, you know, how are they getting on? How's Liam Rydalge getting on? So on and so on. Um, you know, you get a bit about the opposition and then you've got to think about what's the story at the moment and what should we talk about? So. When I last spoke to Mark on Thursday, I, I don't know if you guys agree, there may be some listeners who might disagree, but I thought the last few games especially, we've seen Richie Smallwood's quality really, really shine through. We knew the yeah. quality was there. 
but the last three or four games especially. So I thought, let's get a nice bit about um, Richie, for example. And then what I'll do when we chop up that little bit of audio, that's then a good talking point for me, Gary, Philippe and Jack to talk out in the game. So on a Wednesday, you kind of, I'll always do a bit of prep for the press conference as well. So it's kind of like, what is the talking point this week? And what shall we talk about on Saturday? So you kind of, once you've asked your questions that you need to ask in the press conference, I'll then take time to ask two or three to create those talking points and, and hopefully cause a bit of interaction with you guys on, on the text and the tweets and things. And, and really just, it, it's, it's easy, but it's also a bit harder when things are going so well, because, you know, if it's doom and gloom, you can kind of probe, or why is this happening? Why don't you, you know, if you thought about changing the formation, if you thought about bringing so-and-so into the squad, when it's going really well, you've almost got to think about, right, it's going so well, what shall we talk about? Yeah. He's doing really Okay, so you kind of have to think a little bit more. I don't know if Jack feels the same. And, you know, I guess, I guess we're all football fans, aren't we? We seem to comment on things more when it's, when it's not going well um, than when it is. But yeah, so little routines. I wouldn't say I have a religious one that I stick to, um, but especially on a Saturday when I get up, I, I try and have at least a couple of hours just me time, basically. Do you so know what? I, 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 sorry, go on, Andy. No, 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 I was going to move on. Um, not not too far. Um, just uh, just a burning question. So, so far, you've been to a few away games, which is the best press box you've been in with the best cakes. I like cake. Are we talking specifically League Two? Yeah. Okay. Let me have... Oh, that's a tough one because I can tell you a few of the worst ones. Shall shall I tell you, actually, it's a... Give us the worst one as well. (laughs) Name and shame. Name and shame, boys. Barrow is difficult to work from. But there are lovely people at Barrow, so I'll let them off. It's bizarre at Barrow. Well, no, I, I wouldn't necessarily say difficult to work from it's just different you're inside at barrow um you you're in like a proper old-fashioned box with a, a glass panel in front of you and where out where we were positioned right to my left where you would look at the the goal on the left hand side there's a big pole in front so it's a bit of a, a, a difficult position um yeah no, not difficult different and and just not being used to it or, Honestly, the, the best one in League Two, and it's an easy one, and I'll, 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 I'll think of another one. The best one is Valley Parade. You've got the perfect view. You're the perfect level. We're right on the front of our row. And when you've got Eileen baking cakes for you and serving you pie and chips, going for you the don't brownie get much points. Better than that. Um, although it's a cramped press box once you're in, the people at Sutton United last season were, were brilliant. Um, the chap who runs their media department, you know, he had water, uh, you know, a few biscuits, not not loads, um, but, you know, he really made us feel welcome, helped with everything. Leighton Orient's a funny one because you are, you've got to go up in a lift and you're right at the top of the stand and you're sat almost on bar stools and you're looking down on the pitch like that. So that's a bit of a funny one. I'm trying to think the best now. Colchester's okay. You're a little bit low down, but they've got a, Colchester is an odd, an odd spot. Yeah, you're really, yeah. really close to the pitch, um, which is contrasted with because I mean I've only got a small sort of sample size to choose from. I've only done a few away days, um, but Tranmere, for example, um, a couple of weeks ago, you are proper in the gods. You're right at the top of their 
their main stand with a, a, a real sort of panoramic view of everything in front of you. But um, Tranmere would probably be my, my favourite this year so far in terms of um, the view you get. Um, we, I think we, we didn't actually get any food um, at Tranmere, although me and Louis went to a, a lovely little spot by the... Um, by the by, by the river, um, that again Adam Pope from who, who does the Legion United commentary had recommended to us when um, when they'd been up there last year. And it was like, oh, it's a nice nice little. Um, it's called the the refreshment rooms. <laughs> it's called um, in Tranmere, and it's uh, we had a lovely fish and chips and a uh, a sticky toffee pudding as well. There's a lot of food sort of uh, based <laughs> yeah. themes here, aren't there? Um, in, in 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 terms of what we enjoy from a match day, <laughs> Bristol Rovers is a brilliant ground. Um, brilliant view and you get you you, you know that we got a voucher so we got like a cornish pasty and a coffee and stuff they were great they were accommodating but I, I think at the time i put a picture up of jamie last season and we were literally our seats were right in the middle of the home end and you know i i like to have a bit of room you've got your desk you've got your ipad for your messages and things like that you've obviously got the isdm box and the mics and the two till three hour I was effectively walking up and down the stairs because every two minutes someone was saying, excuse me, mate, can I just uh, pop down the row? So that was, that was a challenge. I got the steps in that day, uh, but a decent view. Um, but I'd say, yeah, most, most difficult maybe Barrow just because of the circumstances um, and genuinely in League Two, and I'm, I'm not just saying this, the, the, the best press area is, is Valley Parade. It's interesting. I, I, I know like we had Bantam's banter on a few weeks ago and they mentioned that obviously they, they got to do matches in the press com, uh, press area and they said that there's there's quite, there's obviously the etiquette there. So, you know, you have to be reasonably responsible for your own actions, if you get me. Uh, and I know that they also mentioned that there was a couple of times where fans started shouting and screaming at them. Do you ever, have you ever had any situations like that where away fans or obviously you know opposition teams um their fans have given you any abuse or how you how you've dealt with that if that's happened the, the only one i'd say was last season and and it was a it was a totally innocent mistake um the trip to forest green when andy cook <laughs> bust everything to get onto that ball and and score City's second goal and it, it was so late on that that was it it was wrapped up wasn't it and at Forest Green similar the press bench is right in the middle of the the home support so our box is is literally on the end of this little bench and and in front of us there's the home supporters and this this uh elderly chap in front of us bless him so there's a there's a switch on the back of the box and this Andy Cook's goal goes in and he stands up in frustration and goes to leave and he flicked the the power on the box. So we fell off air completely. You know, Jamie's doing this big, oh, and he's, he's scored and City are winning on the road and, and all of that. And the listeners would have then just heard dead air. And, and he was so apologetic, you know, and, and he, oh, I'm, I'm so, like, he was mortified that he had done it. Um, and, and, and it was the same with the Bristol Rovers fans. They, they were all fine with us. I've had one time with um, watching Huddersfield Town uh, Oggy was doing the commentary and uh, Town scored and I think I want to say was it Luton might have been Luton and that's again you're quite tight in and a couple of people turn round as if to say <laughs> basically to, to tell him to shut up because you know he's getting all excited Town have scored um, but trouble wise not really no 
I don't know how we'll deal with it if we if we did, you know. Yeah, it's, I, I, I want to kind of move on to um, Bradford this season now. So we've we've already talked a little bit about you know the, the atmosphere and and how everything feels at the ground and at the club at the moment. So obviously for you two, um, I, I kind of want to ask you genuinely how how you do feel this season's going. I mean, I know you've mentioned that you think that this must be the season, but Jack, I'll ask you first. So what do you how how does it feel different? I suppose. From from anything else you've seen in previous years, I know you've not done masses amount for City, but how how does it feel different for you? It's one of those where when, as Louis mentioned earlier, we we both sort of um, got into this position through doing a lot of the behind the scenes stuff um, at Radio Leeds. You know, you it's it's impossible not to become unbelievably invested and, and and keep an eye over everything anyway. So even though you're not in the ground, you still very much get the feel. You know, we can see the same. Um, messages on Twitter or the texts that are coming through, we can see the same ones back at base that the guys can at the games um, and, and generally sort of keep a, an eye over everything that's going on with the club and um, that then comes down to even when we're posting the post-match interviews on Twitter, you can see the comments that are instantly appearing under those and um, certainly in the past couple of seasons when it was Stuart McCall and Derek Adams and when the club, when the results weren't going great you can absolutely sort of tell the whole feel of the club and um the the at times complete and utter disgust that certain people and certain fans will have for um a manager or results or performances etc you can you can certainly feel even though you're not at the games you can feel that that energy and that sort of tension and um i think that's sort of impossible to get away from in in that sense but I think the, the the real sort of turning point, and you know, I'm, I'm sure there's several that agree, um, was the appointment of Mark Hughes. And I know it's been said a lot that that's perhaps that's perhaps the biggest coaching appointment in the history of, of Bradford City. And I think that day, I remember um, Louis can probably recount it better than me. The day that he was appointed, and I remember I, th- I don't think I was in work on the day, and so I'd sort of woken up late to the news, and I sort of did a double take when I looked at my phone. Um, and I was like that. That Mark Hughes, that's it. That that very same. Um, and of course, it was. And the the press conference was that day to introduce him to all the media and the fans. And uh, I remember it was like a a, a switch um, just flipped, and and all of a sudden there was positivity and, and real optimism about um, this coach who had such a an illustrious managerial career behind him, had, had managed at the very top level, um, not to mention his playing career. There, there was this sort of renewed confidence all of a sudden from the fan base in what the club could become and, and how the future all of a sudden with with the appointment of one man um looked really bright. And again, as as you guys all, all know, you know, the back end of last season there was uh, there were some great results. There were some that were perhaps a bit underwhelming or disappointing. Uh, but I think there was a again an understanding that this season was was the real sort of proof will be in the pudding. Um type of season you know the back end of last year wasn't necessarily uh, Mark Hughes's squad um, as we saw 18 um, new arrivals over the summer uh, so I think there was, there was there was certainly more patience towards the back end of last year uh, just just waiting to sort of grind the season out have, have some sort of uh, consolidation period throughout the summer and, and then really build for this year and Again, as I've mentioned, the the feeling around Valley Parade on a match day, whether that's before the game, you know, you've got people with smiles on faces, excited to go into the ground and excited to see some players that that can can honestly just light up the entire stadium. Andy Cook has 
you know, we, we what, what else can we say about him? 11 goals in, in, in the first few games. I think Louis had a stat yesterday that um, he, he, 12 he got last year and he's already won away from that after uh, just 10 league games and a few cup games thrown in there as well. Uh, the stat that we enjoyed yesterday as well was, I think, before the game. I don't know if it still stands this now, but he was the third most prolific striker in Europe um, behind Erling Haaland and Robert Lewandowski. Um, we, I think we, we mentioned that a good three or four times uh, because that's a, that's a crazy stat. Uh, but you look at others like Scott Banks, for example, who is unbelievably exciting when he gets on the ball and he gets at his feet and um, you know goes head-to-head with his, his defender. Um, we, we've seen renewed sort of confidence in Alex Gilead, um, amongst others. Matty Folds has looked good in the, the last few games. You know, there's, there's a real sort of positivity around everybody. And, the, I mean, the, the raw yesterday when um, Vaden Oliver headed that ball in, um, in stoppage time was, was unbelievable. And as uh, we had Philippe Marais with us yesterday and he said he's not heard the stadium like that in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's for an equaliser in a game that, um, Andy, as you said, should have been easy. Um, <laughs> it should have been, <laughs> or that, should have been um, easy. <laughs> or that City should have won. So the fact that that's the reaction you get when you draw against a team um, like Wimbledon, who haven't started great, and people are walking out, perhaps slightly disappointed it's not a win, but but enthused that the team haven't given up and that there's character mm-hmm. there. I think that's one of the main things, is it's not just the quality on the pitch, it's the character of the players and the togetherness and, and the fact that, Again, it's a cliche, so it does feel like a family. Everyone seems to get on in that team, and that really rubs off in, in you know, at the ground and, and in the fan base. And I think that's that's really evident this year, especially compared to, to previous seasons. I think I think last season we lose yeah we we lose um, yesterday three one. If mm. it, if it were last season, there's just something about the side in the that that's got a bit more resilience about itself and that's willing to keep going to the end. I'm not saying last season they didn't try or anything, but this season we just seem to be able to come back, bring ourselves back into it. I'm see, I I saw yesterday probably as a point gained rather than two lost based on the whole lot. It should have been three points. Let's not badger away from that. But come the end of the season, that could be a huge point for us, in fairness, because it's them sort of games... That, that can turn the tide of a season. is it, Wouldn't you agree? I, I think you're spot on, Andy. I, I think, as you, as you say, and, and what we were all feeling at half past two yesterday was like, come on, this has got to be a nailed on three points. I, and although it's a point and, and some may be disappointed, I think the manner how it's happened is, as you say, that's a massive point. But I think it also tells us a lot about this Bradford City side. As you said in previous seasons, Wimbledon would have got a third goal uh, and it would have been game, set and match. As we as we touched on at the start, we know the qualities there. We, we, we know the potentials there. We know the togetherness is there. And it shows that this Bradford City side aren't going to lie down and people need to take them seriously. I We spoke about it a lot in our coverage last season, that when City fell behind, it's almost like they felt sorry for themselves and it, and it knocked the stuffing out of games and heads would drop you don't get that with this side and you know Wimbledon score a great free kick and they go 2-1 up but you know City were still going and going and it almost felt didn't it like something can still happen here whereas in previous seasons as you say would have we seen that no so I think it's a big testament to the character in this side and look you know come April come May 
when we know how tight it is. You know, Forest Green at, at one point last season looked like they were running away with it and they, they only wrapped up the title on the last day. That point could be massive. And I think psychologically as well, that surely will give the players the momentum going into Harrogate and beyond. I think it's important you mentioned there as well. And I think if I look back at a couple of weeks ago when we played Tranmere, and obviously we were 1-0 up at half-time, went to one all, they were all over us. Now, that Bradford City team last year would have would have lost. There's no doubt about it. We would have lost and we actually did lose that game. They, they did it, Tram- yeah, when they were 1-0 yeah. up at half-time. Yeah, and it just felt, personally for me watching it, it felt like I wasn't... I, 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 kind of thought that we were going to win. And that's not been a mentality that I have had for a long time with this Bradford City team where I thought, you know what, we can actually win this game rather than, here we go again. We're going to lose this. This is going to, we're going to fall apart again. And I think it's, you know, it's really interesting hearing from you guys as well, mentioning that you're seeing that. So, um, I mean, Louis, tell us who's kind of stood out for you this season with players. I know you've mentioned Richie Smallwood already, but what kind of players have really stood out for you and have made... Well, probably the difference, I guess. Yeah, and I think first and foremost, just quickly, just going back to a point Jack made, is just the refreshment of this squad. It's it's so new. You know, those players there last season who have now left the club, who had been there two, three years, um, who, who are all good players in their own right. You know, I'm thinking Pordy, I'm thinking Callum Cook, I'm thinking Elliot, um, who decided to go on to, to new things. It, it feels like such a refreshment and such an opportunity I think Matty Platt and Romney Critchlow at the back have been superb. I think Matty Platt, the last three or four games, I mean, wow, he's really shown what he's about. Barely lost a header. Barely lost a header. Winning every header, last-ditch tackles, uh, on last-ditch tackles, Matty Folds yesterday. I think Matty Folds, in a way, you kind of feel sorry for him because he's got Liam Rydalge in front of him. But whenever he comes in, for me, I don't think he puts a foot wrong. Um, I think Richie, now we've got into the season, he's certainly showing that quality, isn't he? Just that, it's that vision, it's that intelligent reading of, of the game. He knows where the run is, he knows what pass to make. And I think at times recently that Bradford City have missed that kind of player. Just the one to keep calm, I can see that run, I'm going to pick that pass out and, and make it a successful pass. And I think the wide players, I think Scott Banks has been an absolute joy to watch so far this season. Long may that continue. Uh, we spoke to him after after the Hartlepool win and, and on a personal level, what a what a lovely, lovely young lad as well. He big smile on his face. He loves being here, wants to learn, wants to improve, and that's only a good thing for Bradford City. I think Tyreek Bright's looked really good. It, it's interesting, isn't it? The the cali- I think that's the difference, the calibre of players yeah. that have attracted this season and how there's a player in every single position. Um, I think Harry Chapman's really coming into a bit of a pomp at the moment. He did well to keep his head yesterday. Um, he's maybe got a little bit of a, a temper inside him at times, but he, he clearly managed that. And I think it is funny, isn't it? I think I think the standout, we, we, we can't hide from it, is someone who was there last season. It's Andy Cook. He's, he's a completely different player. Everything yeah. he touches turns to gold and... I guess when you are a centre forward uh, like Andy Cook and you are in form, it's just every header, every touch seems to go in. Um, but he's playing with confidence. He's loving every minute of it. Um, we spoke to him after Tranmere and I said, look, you know, we're mid-September and I think he was on, he would have got to 10 goals by then. Did you really think you'll be stood here talking about the fact you're on 10 goals? And he went, 
can't really believe it myself, to be honest. So I think the players, for me, the ones that are standing out are definitely Smallwood, the two centre-halves. Uh, shout out to Timmy Odessina as well, by the way, who's, yeah. who's come in the last couple of games. Um, and Andy Cook has just been a revelation. I think you look at the bench show as well. I've, I've, I've actually been really impressed with Jan Fongo when he's come on this season. Yeah. Um, and he was probably one of the shining lights of last season. And okay, he's, he's maybe not first choice and he probably won't be this season. But doesn't that sum up the character and the attitude of this City squad? That they all want to be there. Mark Hughes has said time and time again, they will all play a part and they need to buy into that. And and I think Yam and I think Matty Folds, uh, they've really epitomised that so far. I, I think um, one that you missed off there as well, for me, it feels like a new signing is Gilly. Yeah. Be, being being in the middle, he's, he's transformed into just he's, he's something else like this season. Um, I don't know about you, but I think he suits the centre mid position so much yeah. better than a wide position. He's like that link between. Um, sorry, Louis, I was going to say he's like that sort of. If you look at Smallwood as this sort of lead defensive midfielder in a sense, one that will just sit in front of that back four, um, still go up and down, but he, he, he likes to sort of. He likes to sit in front of the back four and distribute from there. Uh, Gilead, I've very much seen as, as as the sort of link between him and that attacking midfield three, one that yeah. will go between and um, move here and there. And I'll tell you what as well, he, he, his ability to find space is is fantastic. Um, I can't remember which game it was. It's in, in the past couple of weeks and it's like he had, had flies on him. No one could get near him at all. You know, Smallwood would pick him out with a pass and he'd be there with, um, you know, five to ten yards of space every single time. Um, and that's through his own movement. Now, I, I can't sort of profess to say that I saw loads of him as a winger um, or as a, as more of a ta- an attacking player, like he played a lot last season. Um, but certainly as as a player dropping back into that central area, he has looked looked fantastic. And he's one of those that's perhaps not garnered as much praise as your Andy Cooks or yeah. um, your Scott Banks for the goals that, that he's scoring. But I think it's probably fair to say that Bradford City certainly looked like a a better machine in in all in in terms of an overall performance when he's in that midfield. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I th- I think him and Smallwood they've had such a short period of time together, but they've created such a relationship on the field. They understand each other so much already, and like like last season, I thought. He'd run into space and he'd run with the ball, but he'd kind of like run out of an idea of where to go with it. Once he, once he got up near the 18-yarder, he'd kind of worry about what he's going to do with it. Um, but now he's, he's, he's picking passes and he's spraying passes. That Like you saw Smallwood yesterday spray a nice switch straight over, um, straight across from left to right. And, and he's doing the same. And last season, I just don't think he'd have had the confidence. And I think that breeds a lot from learning from Smallwood. I think he's using Smallwood's experience to to Im- improve his own game. And I think the relationship they're building is only going to get stronger. And as long as we can keep him fit, because I do think we miss him. When 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 he's not played, we, we've missed, we've, we've kind of lost the central midfield a bit. I think I think they're spot on with the with the passes and the confidence there, Andy. I think a prime example yesterday, uh, in the first half, he, he drifted out on the left Gilead, and instead of going down that left channel, he cut back inside, and he he saw Luke Hendry over on the the right hand touchline and just played the most perfectly weighted pass 
yeah. over the middle of the park, missed all the Wimbledon players and found its way to Hendry. And Philippe even said in commentary, it's, it's the confidence, not just to see that pass, but think I'm going to back myself to make that pass. Mm. And he, he does, he, he, he seems like a player reborn because <laughs> he was he was maybe one of those in the discussion over summer. Look, although he's still in contract, how much of a part is he going to play? And he's, he's come into this central midfield role and he hasn't really looked back. No, I completely agree. And I think one thing as well that that we, we probably missed out a little bit is his defensive work. He's chasing back. Um, I look at the Stevenage game, for instance. There was a couple of times where he was chasing his man all the way back and he was winning the ball. And that's another thing that sometimes I think in those central midfield roles, you, you, don't, you don't see as much. But actually... You know the guy's he's, he's he's got rocket on his feet. I swear he's just he just seemed to be everywhere, and and that's the kind of player. I'm really glad that obviously Mark Hughes has seen him. Gone. Actually, I don't think you're a winger. I know that when he was at Scunthorpe, he did win every single award ever uh, that season for being the winger. And the first time round we saw him, he was a winger, but he just he just he is a completely you know he's a new player and he's reborn, and it's just really good to see. Um, so I'm going to ask you, Andy, because obviously I wasn't there yesterday. Let's talk about Wimbledon. So let's. <laughs> so for me, right? Let here we go. So um, Banks's free kick, just spectacular. He knuckleballed it. Is the only <laughs> way I can sort of like describe it. And I, I was shocked that Bank that, that Smallwood gave it up to him. To be fair, because I think that Smallwood's set pieces have improved over recent games, but I do feel like we needed to see more of Banks' set pieces because that's how he was sold to us. But that free kick, it, it was sublime, wasn't it? You, 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 can't, you can't say fairer than that. Um, but then it just... We did what, what we've been doing a lot this season, in my opinion, and we scored a goal early on, happy days. Rather than going for the jugular, we've took us off at gas and allowed them to have time on the ball I think an issue with Bradford City sides, even in, in the past, we tend to stand off as man. We never really fully press as, as, as a team and we stand off and give them a bit more, a bit too much time. Whereas they started pressing us and getting themselves right back into the game. And obviously then they, um, Drysdale started getting himself involved again. I can't stand Drysdale. Um, I'm not saying he's the reason for for us playing back because we didn't help ourselves at all. But um, I think he had a good first sort of like half hour, and then he realised the spotlight wasn't on him, um, so he had to start making a bit of a few silly decisions. Um, but yeah, then then Wimbledon, they were all over us. I'm not I'm not going to lie. They, they they didn't. We didn't do enough to prevent them having all that time and space. Um, their free kick were just as sublime as um, Banks's. to be fair. I mean, two two keepers weren't saving that. I thought Lewis were really unlucky with their first goal as well. He, he made good, it... Good he made it yeah, yeah, the initial save were fantastic. Um, and obviously, the rebound, you, you're, you're not getting near that. Um, so, yeah, got... It, it, and then the play acting... I, I I can't condone the play acting. I mean, it's something that needs to be abolished from football, but it's never going to happen. It's a pipe dream. Um, but on the whole, just for a Bradford City performance, I'd say it's 
probably one of the most disappointing performances because we had such a big opportunity to get that 4-0, 5-0 steamrolling of a team against Wimbledon because that first 20 minutes, we could, we, we, we should have taken them by the scruff of their necks because they were there for the taking. Don't know how you, how you two feel about that. What, what's your thoughts? I, I think, you know, the last three, four games we've seen an early City goal and that's great. And I, I, I think, I don't want to get too downbeat, actually, because it, <laughs> it, it's actually, when you see 18 points, so that's just under two points a game in your first 10, that's a great start. I mean, I don't know what's going on at Leighton Orient. That's just ridiculous, that Crazy. start. But to put it into context, it's a good start, isn't it? I, I, I think maybe the, the one weak, I don't even want to call it a weakness, but the one chink in City's armour is maybe... And a couple of the fans in front of us were, were talking to us about this at half time. It's just that we haven't seen that killer instinct yet. You, you know, you, you go 1 0 up in the third minute, your tail, and they were the 10, 15 minutes after the tails were up. That's when you need to be getting your second, your third goal. And I, I hope, and I, I'm sure it will be, it'll only be a matter of time before we see a 4 5 nil. The quality is absolutely there to do that. We, we know that. Um, and, and Mark Hughes said after the game, he said, the one thing we try not to do is to get sucked into the opposition's game plan. And they did. They did yesterday. Um, and it, it was really interesting having Philippe with us, um, you know, and giving that player point of view, because as that first half went on, because City couldn't find that first, uh, their second goal, Wimbledon growing confidence. Was it Chislett who hit the bar? Um, yeah. And then a couple of minutes later, we had the similar curling shot in front of the cop, which was well wide in the end. But Philippe was saying they're grown in confidence now. And it, it is frustrating, isn't it? Because as we say, we know the qualities there. Just just go and get that second, get that third. And then you can have a bit of fun in that second half. Because um, we didn't see Husey doing any kick-ups on the side yesterday, <laughs> did we? Because <laughs> yeah. we side in the end with chasing the game. Um, and again, as I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm downbeat, but that maybe is the only thing we haven't seen from, even at Stevenage, and I know it ended 3-0, but that first half as well, it's almost like Stevenage grew back into the game, and I do feel it's only a matter of time, and they will work out how to do it, um, but that's just maybe one thing that we might look on negatively over these first 10 games, is just not being able to put that game to bed. Luckily, in the end, it didn't cost City the game entirely and as we said earlier on in the podcast you know that could be a really important point and I think it symbolises a lot about the side but I think you can see where some fans may have a bit of frustration because it was after three minutes it was there for the taking. I think the buzzword there Lou as well was frustration and I think you could see that on the pitch as well there were there were moments particularly on just after um, that first goal yesterday where again, um, after Scott Banks' goal, where there were a couple of big chances that, that didn't go City's way. And I think the more and more that happens, the more there is a frustration on the pitch that, you know, we're, we're creating all this play, we're doing really well, but we're not get, we're not reaping the rewards. And I think that very much allowed Wimbledon back in, is that they, they perhaps thought, oh, you know, the, the role of the dice is with us today. We're getting that drop of luck in that City having these chances but aren't quite putting them away and interestingly as well um, the media guys at Wimbledon yesterday said that that's the best they've played all season yeah. which to an extent doesn't come as a surprise because I think you'll you'll see see a lot of that from sides who come to Valley Parade is that 
naturally their their game steps up um, simply because of of where they're playing and what the atmosphere is like. You know, it can very much we have this discussion quite a bit um, before and after games that while it can very much motivate City, it can also motivate the opposition as well to to turn up and, and try and quiet the the stands and the fan base. Um, but I think that frustration probably grew as the game went on. Um, you know, all all of a sudden. City have gone from being quite commanding with a 1-0 lead, not being able to, to build on that, to being at one all and to then being at 2-1. I think there was a moment where um, where Andy Cook went quite close. It was Scott Banks had made a, um, a move down the left-hand side when, he, when he'd switched there in the second half and uh, he put one of those, those low crosses across um, looking for, for Cook to just get a toe on it and it was just slightly uh, too far in front and I think they both sort of just put their hands up to each other um, and we're quite clearly annoyed that, uh, you know, a, a move that we've seen work perfectly so much this season and it was just not quite there. Um, and the more that frustration sort of seeps in, I think there were a few more missed passes than we used to yesterday. Um, and then naturally, as, as you mentioned, Andy, uh, when those sort of tactics from Wimbledon came in where they were trying to slow the game down, there were players um, with cramp. Um, as they, they, they'd probably like to say, um, you know, the, the, those sorts of tactics, were, which again we've seen uh, from several sides this season, started creeping in. That frustration grew, but um, like Lewis said, I, I don't really want to be sort of downbeat because ultimately um, they, they managed to go past those frustrations and really sort of build back into the game. And when they went long ball towards the end, um, you sort of thought at times it would maybe a hide into nothing, but all it takes is that that one opportunity late on and. Um, the introduction of Oliver and of Angle as well, two tall players, um, I think certainly made the difference. And I think the the roar from the crowd, and I think you saw a bit of relief on the players' faces as well when that goal went in. There's a brilliant video um, which City have put up on uh, their socials of, of an alternative angle of the goal from just behind the, just to one side of the net as it goes in. Um, and you might have seen some of the stills as well from it. Alex Gilead. Oh, absolutely yeah. <laughs> screams in the yeah. face of the um, the Wimbledon number thirty three, which I think is it's probably just a, a relief of that that frustration that had been building for sort of fifteen twenty minutes to just go look what we've managed to do now. Yeah. Um, you know we've 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 sort of pushed it right back in the faces. So um, I, I think that there were certainly signs of frustration that we've seen at, at other times this season, particularly yesterday though. But um, again, we won't be too downbeat because that late goal I think changes the entire complexion of that game. Yeah, so um, for Dane, getting his first goal. And finally, I- I'm hoping that gives him the kickstart. Like, I've not been his um, biggest fan. I thought it was a pretty that's been, strange... That's been a bit light. <laughs> Say that loosely uh, like... there, Andy. <laughs> I- I'm trying to be diplomatic about it. No, but I, I-, I, wa- I wasn't enthralled by his signing. Um, I didn't think that his style of play fit into this Mark Hughes style of football that we that it looked like he were building during preseason. And when he's come when when he's played, I've not been too impressed with him. Obviously he's a city player, so I want him to do well. And um I'm really hoping that now he's got that goal he can kick on because we were talking about it last night um on a space. Andy Cook's form is going to dip because it's natural. All footballers' forms dip. He might get injured, hopefully not, touch wood. Um, and we need so, we need the goals to come from somewhere. And um, so I'm really hoping that that spurs him on, especially with it being such a last-minute gasp win, um, 
to get the draw felt like a winner. I'm hoping that spurs him on um, because I think in the winter months he might come good for us. Um, yeah. Because I think yeah, I think that's a fair point. And to be honest, with you I thought against Stevenage, I thought he, he actually looked quite good. He had a couple of good runs. Um, he looks a lot fitter. He's obviously not really had much of a preseason. I think it's fair, but I'm really chuffed for him that he got that goal. And hopefully now he can kick on and um, and score plenty of goals, even whether it's on the bench. Um, just come on, just for those last twenty minutes, as you mentioned, Leangol. Um, Oliver coming off the bench. That's crazy, right? That's the crazy amount of talent to have on the bench. Yeah, so. it, it is. And, and you know, it, it must be hard for Verdane having, watching Andy Cook, you know, in his position, scoring 11 league goals. And we're not even league goals say, in all competitions, should I say. 11 goals in all competitions. And we're not even at the end of September. Um, but, but you're right, Andy, you're right, Chris. The, the fact he's come on and scored a goal of that magnitude, I mean, he, he spoke to us after after the game and, and he was absolutely buzzing. He said, look, at the end of the day, I've, I've come here to get promoted. I've not come here to, you know, for me to, to you know, boost my goal-scoring personal record. He, want, he said, I want to score as many goals as possible, but ultimately I want to see this team and be part of a squad that gets promoted. And yeah, he said it was it was a big relief to get the goal and I asked him you know how has it been watching from the bench Andy scoring for fun every week and he said if it's good for the team then you know he's happy with that he says look of course it's difficult he's in the same position and you're thinking I want that shirt but it's that mindset we go back to of, of this squad that togetherness and you might only come on for 20 minutes here or there you might pop up with the odd goal but if it's for the greater good and let's be honest, let's not beat around the bush. The aim this season is for City to get promoted. Yeah. And if it, if it contributes to that, then it seems those players who might not have had the impact we would have hoped so far or have not played as many minutes, the, the attitude actually seems they're still happy to play that part, however small or however big. Yeah, I think I saw that as well um, about the ethos. It's like Matty Fold's... Um... He's been doing a bit of press work. I'm not sure whether it were in the TNA or whether it were on um, BBC Radio Leeds. And um, you spoke to us on Thursday, yeah. Yeah, and and and, and um, I think I think you. Um, he, he said to you guys that even though he's not been on the pitch, he's just so happy that the team is doing well, and it just seems to be a massive part of this team. And I think that's what's endearing the fans towards it as well, because obviously there's a Mark Hughes effect, but the players still have to have that personality about us, uh, about them. And it feels like this team gets what it is to be a Bradford City player and what it is to be a Bradford, for Bradford City fans. And what we expect is all we want is passion. And you put in 110% every week. We will, we will back you to, to the hills. You know what I mean? And, I think we are seeing that from, uh, and we haven't seen it in so in so many seasons as well. Which... What 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 I found really interesting, just on that point, Andy, and I don't know how much of Mark Hughes's pre-match press conference you heard on Thursday, but um, he was talking about you know I really feel the squad has started to gel, and I said to him, you know, you know the players a lot better than I do, and and what Simon, who was in the room with me, what what we do, has it surprised you how quick? They've gelled because ultimately, at the time, we were only nine league games in. But has it surprised you? 
And what was fascinating, he said, when it came to the recruitment process, it wasn't just, are they technically a good footballer? Do they have the ability? But they did a lot of due diligence. They rang people who had played with them, rang people who had managed them. What kind of character are they? You know, if they go through a spell on the bench, are they still happy with that? How passionate are they? Do they want to come and be successful? And what a great recruitment policy to have. And, I, you know, whether that's uh, come from the guys behind the scenes, whether Mark Hughes has bought that attitude because he's been at such a high level. He's not just bought in players based on the quality. He's bought in players based on the character. And I, I really think that's what we're starting to see. So, sorry to have interrupted you. No, 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 it's, it's back, fine. It's a conversation back and forth. And and I think, I think I'd agree with that. Since Stephen Jen and Hughes have come in, it feels a lot more professional around the club. Everything, you've got Ryan sorting things out, um, like the commercial side. And then on the playing side of things, you, you've, you've got these players coming in. They're all buying into this. And it just, as a club on in general, I think we feel a lot, it seems a lot more professional than, than it has done over previous years as well. So I, I totally agree with that, to be fair. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a fair point, and it's quite interesting. I'm glad you mentioned that, Louis, because that's something I've not heard before, and I think that just shows where this club is going now from the years and years and years of of, of crap that we've had, and where you know the philosophy is you'll have a player for two years, then they move on. But I I just get the feeling with this club that we're building for the future, and the, a lot of these players that have come in that are quite young will be staying here for a long time. Yeah, um, and it's it's good to see. Boys, I'm going to move it on to the last little bit, okay? So we have got a quiz for you, okay? So I'm going to oh, do dear. it one at a time, okay? Let's see how much you know about Bradford City. Hopefully you should know. You're going to expose us now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Louis, I'm going to get you. You're going to answer the first question, okay? And then I'll go to Jack for the next one. Okay, so what year were Bradford City formed? I know this one. 1911. <laughs> Oh no! no. no. Oh, I know dear. this one. Oh, no. I know this one. I know it. I know it. I've changed my answer. Is it too late? Go on. 1903. <laughs> See, I'm not the I... only one who gets it wrong. Shall I tell you why I say 1911? One, the FA Cup, and two, it's it's in the Wi-Fi password in the media department, <laughs> and I gave right. it to someone yesterday, so it jumped into my head straight away. You can oh, edit yeah. that bit out. I know it's live. Listen, the amount of pelters I got for putting 1906, I said 1906. I was really thought I was really clever with it and I got it wrong. So don't I'm feel not the only one. Don't feel too bad. Jack, here's your question. Uh, I'm going to give you within the nearest thousand. What is the capacity of Valley Parade? Oh, no. You know what? We talk about this a fair bit and I'm horrendous. We're guessing like whenever there's. Grounds. Oh no. I'll give you a thousand. Um, Either way. I'm gonna go let's go twenty-five. The yeah. answer is twenty-five one three six. Well done. There we go. I'm gonna class that as one nil. Oh. <laughs> yeah, go on. Yeah, <laughs> see see Louis should know this. I'm expecting that this was on your fact sheet, but you might not be. We'll see. How many league goals did Oliver score for Gillingham last season? Now, he scored in total. I've got his total for Gillingham. 
but I've got it all in one. His total for Gillingham was 27 in 77. Last season, league goals in League, league One, and they came down. Eight. Ooh, nearly. Ten. That's not bad. I mean, he was their top goal you, You're really exposing me. I, I, I wish my uh, I wish my uh, laptop had never connected. <laughs> oh, Jack. Okay, next question. Name at least three of Andy Cook's ex teams. Previous oh. teams. So Mansfield. Yeah. And before that, I'm I'm drawing a blank here. Um, let's have a think. Some really random ones. Oh, let's go for someone like <laughs> Tranmere. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's that's a, that's a great guess. <laughs> one, more. Oh, oh, one more. One more. Oh, some really random. Let's go for Oldham. Ooh. Oh, unlucky. Who, so, who else could I have had? So you could have had Barrow, you could have had Grimsby, you could have had Walsall, you could have had Carlisle because you started your career there. And technically, right. you could have had Workington as well. So I'm surprised right. you didn't get Workington. Walsall's you know, was... the one that I'm annoyed about. Walsall. <laughs> yes. Walsall this season, didn't he? Did. <laughs> there we go. Um, okay, um, Louis, what was oh. the original name of Bradford City? Oh, God. This is... You've <laughs> thrown me under the bus. Can I just say Jack's had a lot easier questions? Uh, but I was always going to say that. I, I, you know what? I don't have the comments box open, and I'm sure I'm being getting pelters at the moment. Um, Manningham FC. I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give you it because it was Manning and Rugby, Rugby Club, but I think that's fair enough. So I'm going to give you that one. I'll take Great it. Effort. Half a point. Great effort. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I think that's fair. I mean, I've, you've had a couple of pelters. You, you feel sorry for me, don't you? <laughs> I am, yeah, that's why, Louis. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll never come on again and talk to me again. So I've got to, put you, I've got to give you that one. Uh, last question, Jack. Uh, so in the Hartlepool game, away from home, who scored the first goal for Bradford? First goal. Oh, I, I see. I remember this one because we were at a great angle, um, and it was Scott Banks, I believe, it, it with his first Scott goal for City. Because he'd done the move that he tried a couple of times in the games before, where he sort of stands the defender up, tries to send the defender to his right, cuts back onto his left, and hits it. And that's what he did. Even better. I think I think Jack, we've can safely say you know more about football, <laughs> and especially Bradford City than Louis. So, uh, so, so you need to put your at, bosses about that. At, at Harrogate, it'll just be Jack and Philippe. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you could do. No, you need it. You need to hook it all up, don't you? Yeah, yeah, just actually, yeah. yeah we need. We need. I'll Last question to you both, Jack. Predictions for the season. Where did Bradford City finish? See, this is this is this is an absolute minefield of a question. This, um, which I said to you beforehand, and I think it'll be absolutely at least top seven. Um, I'd say I am going to go with a fourth place to finish. Who's going up then? Just to second that, then who's <laughs> who's going up in the autos if City out there? Oh, I, don't, I, I, th- I think Orient will 
carry on in yeah. the, the fashion they have done. And I think second, you've probably got about eight or nine clubs who are there yeah. thereabouts. One of them being City. So I, I couldn't say second, but I think Orient will carry on as they are. Yeah, I think I that's think... my diplomatic answer. <laughs> Louis, the other question to you, you got a chance to uh, redeem yourself a little bit here, mate. Well, I agree with Jack. For me, and, and you know, we, we can revisit this at the end of the season. I think top seven's nailed on. I was thinking, and I'm going to stick with it, I'm going to go one better than Jack. I think I'm going to go third and automatic promotion. Same as mine. I think late in all, and again, we are only 10 games in, aren't we? Look at Forest Green, they almost slipped up. I think late in Orient look unstoppable. I think we've got to think of Mansfield Town are in pretty good form and they were so close last season. Northampton Town, I think they're always up there. I know we've got to mention those over the Pennines at Salford. Um, and then you look at, you know, some of the clubs who have started well, Stevenage and Barrow, who were, let's be honest, they were tipped to go down. And there's always one, isn't there, like a Barrow, like a Stevenage, who you think they're going to fall away, they're going to fall away, and then they never do. Um, so it, I absolutely agree with Jack. There's going to be eight or nine clubs going for second and third. But I think 18 points after 10 games, 1.8 points a game, unbeaten at home. I think if City can average that, I think third place and they won't be too far off second or first. It's not going to be massively comfortable. I'm sure we're going to get to like the Easter fixtures and and the May, the early May fixtures where every game feels like a cup final, but that's why we love it. But I'm I'm going to go third and we don't have to deal with the pain or the pleasure of the playoffs. <laughs> Great stuff. Listen, guys, honestly, it's been a real pleasure having you on today. Just also listening about, you know, the background and obviously learning a little bit more about you guys as well. Uh, Andy, appreciate you coming on, mate. Anytime. Anytime. Thanks, guys, for coming on. Like, I I listen to you guys every week because I don't live in Bradford. I, I'm down here in South Wales, so I get to listen to your lovely voices every week. And do you know what? You're doing a cracking job. Keep it up. You, you'd never know that it were your first season full season going at it so yeah just keep up the good work keep it fun really appreciate it Andy and thanks for having us on Chris no worries and yeah, I echo exactly what he said as well you guys are great and uh, keep on keeping on and let's hope it's a good year for City and as I've now started finishing it as up the chickens <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot thank guys. You guys thank you cheers guys cheers Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.